Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And a surprise bonus episode! Uh, I wanted to get this in um, because there's still a lot happening um, and obviously news is breaking all the time. Um, and I want to just keep you guys up to date. Obviously, there's not always going to be two episodes, but... Um, I thought, oh, you know, this weekend is going to be slow. There's not going to be a lot of newsworthy events. So I'm just going to go ahead and take a break. And the news cycle was like, mm, hold my beer. <laughs> um, anyways, it was confirmed that Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson are officially engaged. Um, the couple have been dating since uh, May of 2017, so just a, over two years now, um, when Scarlett Johansson hosted Saturday Night Live, and they actually took their romance public um, in December of 2017 when they attended the American Museum of Natural History gala together now this is not a couple that's going to be big and splashy or anything like that um you know as much as as much as i love the out there couples that put everything on display because well i'm a gossip columnist and um, that's my bread and butter i actually have a lot of respect for colin and scarlett johansson um the, them being under the radar them, you know, kind of keeping things to themselves, I think is actually um, really healthy and really good for their relationship. Um, you know, any lawyer over at Crazy Days and Nights likes to um, spin tales that Scarlett Johansson is sleeping with Chris Evans. Um, but usually those kind of blind items happen just as a major movie is coming out, a major Marvel movie. Um, recently, the, um, with Endgame coming out, he was out there spinning those tales and saying that she was out there cheating with, with Captain America while Colin Jost stayed back in New York. Um, again, I, any lawyer is, is so dead on most of the time that it's hard to discount him when he says it. However, since they are so under the radar, we don't know what kind of relationship they have. Um, you know, when I met Colin Jost, I used to work um, for um, a, a comedy club here in New York. Um, one where Colin actually appeared quite a bit. He was a really laid back dude, um, really friendly. But I never took him as uh, the monogamous type. He never hit on anyone overtly. Um, But I heard rumors through some of my work friends that a a few people offered to um, give him oral and he happily accepted that. 
like I said, it, that did not happen. Uh, well, I was around. He was a perfect gentleman. Um, he he went on. He did his bit. He got the laughs, and then he took off. So, as whether or not it's true, I don't think we'll ever know. But. You know, I can kind of see it with him, and I can kind of see it with her. They, those two, have a very, um, they're very busy. Um, Colin, take at least apparently takes his summers off. You rarely see him performing anything outside of Saturday Night Live. I don't know if it's because he doesn't want to, or if he just likes to do the stand-up thing. Um, And Scarlett is a very busy actress. Um, You know, and she's pulling in money left and right. So, good on her. Um, She's one of the top, if not the top, female earner. Um, So, if they do have an open relationship and that works for them, who cares? As long as it's not hurting anyone else and they're both in agreement. That's what I have to say about it. Um, and I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And before we get into talking about, um, Game of Thrones, which we're going to do, we're not going to talk about the finale, but we're going to talk about, um, something that happened on the set. Um, I do want to say that, um, this week, I'm not sure, I think right now it's scheduled for, um, Thursday. Um, Will is the Game of Thrones fan, and we're going to record a segment about the big finale and his thoughts on on it. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, if I can get it out sooner or if we can record it sooner, obviously we will. Um, but Will is a very busy in-demand producer, so I'm very lucky that um, he has time to to host with me, um, and even luckier that he's willing to talk about areas that are his expertise. Um, so, as you all know, I've not seen Game of Thrones, but I'm really intrigued by some of the stuff that's happened backstage. Um, we've talked about Kit Harrington cheating on his um, wife with with someone else, and there are allegedly nude pictures of him roaming about the internet. Um, there's also um, some intrigue with Lena Headley. I'm sorry, Lena Hetty and Jerome Flynn. Okay, so, first of all, let me just tell you guys this real fast. A couple of years ago, there was a blind item. I really want to say it was on blind gossip, because the way I'm remembering it, it was very much in the style in which they write, that talked about how there was a couple um, who worked together on a hit TV series, 
And they had broken up, gotten back together, broken up. And it made things really awkward on the set and whatnot. And at the time, there were a lot of theories being pushed out about who it was. And no one could really guess it. Um, Game of Thrones actually did show up. But um, nobody guessed Lena Headey. Or Hetty, or however you say her name. Well, it turns out that the blind item probably was about her and Jerome Flynn because um, sources from the set of Game of Thrones started talking about how uh, Lena's and Jeffrey's character, or Jerome's character rather, never actually shared a scheme. Um, and apparently she went to the producers and, and requested this. Um, the source said, Lena and Jerome have not filmed together due to a bad breakup. She appears to have a genuine hate towards him. Um, the source continued, they kept the full extent of it secret, but it was a very turbulent relationship and it has been very awkward on the set. She has opened up to trusted friends. Now, we all, and when I say we all, um, maybe that's too much of a generalization, but a lot of us have hooked up with people at work. Um, and we all know how awkward it can be when that relationship ends. Now, Lena and Jerome hooked up and were in a relationship before they started working together. But that makes it even worse. And that's why I'm really trying to understand how the Hollywood dating scene works. Because if you're in a genuine relationship with somebody and then you break up and you have to work with them, I cannot even imagine how difficult that is or why anyone would even want to do that. I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe, you know... Maybe I'm just weird, which is very possible. Um, Will tells me all the time that I'm weird. Um, but, you know, the, the whole thing is... It's, I don't know. It's, it's so much for me to think about and, and to take. It's like, why? Like, why... Why do this? Why torture yourself with this um you know why work with why date someone that you're eventually going to have to work with or that you work with on a regular basis it, it seems counterintuitive but again we most of us have been there um lena and jerome don't have to work together anymore and producers Apparently went out of their way to make sure that the two characters never crossed paths. So that's kind of interesting. You know what else is interesting? Me taking a break and coming right back. And I'm back. So you know something is a huge movement or a really big social media story when Rose McGowan starts to weigh in. 
And I know I'm supposed to like Rose McGowan now and you know, she's the great warrior that we need. And I do, for the record, I do think she's actually done some good work with me too. Um, I was really, really impressed with how she went after Asia Argento uh, when it came out that Asia had slept with the um, with the young the, with the young man that had played her son in the Lifetime movie. Um, it, it showed great, great character. But there's also just something about her that rubs me the wrong way. You know, and it, it could be something just as simple as uh, the way she looks or um, how sometimes she comes across as thinking she's better than everyone else. I don't know. But with the Constance Wu story still squirreling and um, doing something that fresh off the boat started, um, but I this... This new controversy that she's found herself in has pushed her to even greater fame, surprisingly enough. I, you know, I don't know if people are going to want to work with her or not, but I, I definitely think um, that this is what, um, this is definitely one of those things where um, it, it's it's going to stick with her for a long time. Um, but anyway, so Rose McGowan stepped in to defend Constance Wu and say, hey, you bitches need to leave my girl alone because I totally get it. Um, here's what she said. At Constance Wu, when I, when I would get renewed on Charmed, I would cry. I was made... I was made of... I was made of in front by my co-star in front of the crew at lunch for crying. I was painted as ungrateful because I was making money. But what if the money isn't everything to us? Wealth doesn't justify being trapped. In a life you don't want, everyone including you is entitled to change their perception of what equals wealth. I hope you feel no shame for sharing your true feelings. Do not let them shame you. And this, uh, this was on top, um, this is not the first time that Me Too and Constance Wu, um, have met up with this, um, controversy. During her first explanation, she put women should be believed, which a lot of people took to mean, to mean that, um, Maybe Constance was being harassed or assaulted sexually at work or um, something wasn't quite right. Something something bad was happening. At this time, there doesn't seem to be anything to substantiate that. Um, but it is kind of weird how Me Too is mixing in now. For all, For the record, and by all accounts... Constance Wu was only upset because the show was renewed, which meant that she was going to have to push her movie that she really wanted to make back a little bit. She has not come out publicly and said, um, 
that there's any harassment or assault or anything like that happening. Now, that doesn't mean she has to come out in public and say it. But the fact that um, Me Too is so connected to this um, story, it's making me wonder. Uh, you know, did, did she just misspeak when she said women should be believed? Was she trying to make a, a bigger political statement? Or was she calling out for help? Um, I, I honestly think that the first option where she just misspoke um, is probably the most likely. But I don't think we can discount the others just yet. Um, and the only reason why I'm not willing to discount them is because it does seem as though um, something just... I, I don't know. Maybe something is just not sitting right with me. Um, it, it's definitely possible. But I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. Okay, so... I wanted to um, talk about something that has really been bothering me. Um, and I, honestly, it really shouldn't bother me all that much because, frankly, it's not a huge deal. But it does. So what is this that has me still up in arms. There are all these think pieces coming out now that um, Game of Thrones and the Big Bang Theory have come to an end that are theorizing that there will never be another huge hit on TV again. That um, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, the upcoming Disney Plus... Um, those streaming services have all kind of drained us and splintered us into niche groups. And going forward, that's basically all we're going to see is niche shows. And here's the thing. when you TV has become a, more of a global business. Um, shows like Dynasty on the CW, um, The Rookie on ABC, uh, Will and Grace on NBC. Here in America, those might be niche shows. Um, they target one specific demographic, and you know that's that. But. That doesn't mean that's the way that the TV business is going. You know, when... Back in the 90s, there were a lot more hit shows averaging more than 20 million viewers um, per episode. Um, Seinfeld, Friends, ER, and I, I just named all... NBC shows. Um, but there was, you know, Melrose Place, Nameless Who Know, um, Roseanne, um, Murphy Brown, 
those were all huge shows. Um, and actually, at the um, at the beginning of Seinfeld, it wasn't a huge, massive hit. It took time to grow that into the cultural phenomenon that it became. And I think what we're seeing right now is, yes, there are a lot of channels. Um, that's why they call it peak TV. Because there are a lot of channels, there are a lot of shows out there. And these shows are having a really hard time breaking through. Unless you have a big star. Um, or you come from a mega producer, Greg Berlanti, Ryan Murphy, Shonda Rhimes. You're kind of... You're kind of... Um, destined to fall into a niche category for a long time. Um, People seem to forget that The Big Bang Theory didn't start out as a massive hit. It was like the number two or three comedy on CBS and like four or five, maybe lower overall when it started. But as time went on in the syndication deal with um, TBS kicked in, that's when it started to grow in popularity. Um, adding Melissa Roch and Mayim Balik obviously helped out a lot. Uh, but the point here is those shows took time to grow. Um, you know, certainly there are some shows that are just major, major hits right off out of the box. But we're also looking at how TV is watched being different than it was 20 years ago. It's different than how it was watched 10 years ago. Um, you know, everyone keeps looking at, oh, you know, these are the live, um, live and same day ratings. Those aren't going to be as big because now we have the technology to watch later on. When you take a look at the shows on air now, Modern Family... Um, it actually grows, uh, it's still under the Big Bang Theory in terms of, um, ratings and whatnot, but they're average, they average like 2.1, a 2.1 rating in the 18 to, um, 49 category, but that grows to almost a 3.0 or higher, when you add in, like, the DVR and all that, um, watch. Same thing with Grey's Anatomy. The actual life of the same day is very low, but the, um, the, the, the DVR lifts it much higher. So while, yes, it is, it is very true that the ratings are not what they once were, that's because you're looking at we're looking at it the wrong way. Um, there's a reason why ABC signed Ellen Pompeo to that blockbuster twenty million dollars per season deal, and it's not because they're kind folks. I, they probably are, but it's because Grace is a huge advertising. Uh, um, their advertising rates are just phenomenal. They're so high. 
you know, and Game of Thrones was lightning in a bottle. It was a prestige show on HBO that grew into a huge franchise for them. But that doesn't mean that's where they were starting. You know, that you know, they started and they had to promote and market the shows. And it eventually, you know, the fanboys who read the Game of Thrones books were the first to adapt to it. And they let it grow. So And we have to start letting go of shows. Um, Game of Thrones came to a natural conclusion. Whether people want to hear that or not, that's their choice. Jim Parsons had a brilliant answer when he was asked why he walked away from a huge contract, a huge payday, when he said it was the first time I ever thought about not playing Sheldon Cooper, and I thought, oh, this is something, and then he went with that and decided that it was time for him to not play Sheldon Cooper anymore. And that is to say, I mean, he's still narrating for young Sheldon, so in some respects, he's still playing the character. But now it's... It's a lot faster for him. You know, a couple lines, boom, he's done. And he can focus on other, um, other projects. And I think it's much more important for these shows to come to a natural conclusion. Will and Grace, the original series, did not come to a natural conclusion. I, I, people are going to get mad at me when I say this, but... It probably should have ended in season six, maybe season seven um, of the original run. I think there was a natural stopping point where they could have stopped. Um, But instead they chose to go for another season. And it just, it, it very much seemed like a money grab instead of something that was creatively fulfilling for them. The reboot has washed away uh, some of the season eight taste. And mind you, some of my favorite episodes actually do reside in season eight. Um, I love the live episodes. Um, I love the Britney episode. So I'm glad we got it, but from a purely creative standpoint, this was not, this was something that could have been ended. So what I'm suggesting to people in the, in the ones writing these thing pieces about appointment TV being over and us not sharing any more big shows, stop it. Just stop it. There will be another huge, massive hit. The Big Bang Theory followed Friends. It took almost 10 years. Nah, no, that's a lie. 
It was on for 12. It, so it took another... It took two years to start the show. Maybe a little bit longer than that. From the time that Friends ended. And from the time it ended till the time that Big Bang became a big hit, it took about 10 years. So we need to let these shows grow naturally. Um, you know, in the current bunch of sitcoms, there could be a big hit. Um, I, I don't think the next big hit is going to be on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon. Not because they're not great shows. They are. But I think... I think the issue is going to reside in... How long the shows are given to catch on. A show like Dead to Me on Netflix is great, but... It's... It's probably not going to last more than two or three seasons. Um, American Housewife actually had the potential to break out, but they, they've shuffled it around so much and then now it's going to Friday, so I don't think that's going to be a big um, success. Um... And, you know, to be honest, family sitcoms, they're great for ABC's lineup. But I think what we're looking at are these massive hits all centered around Friends. And I think that's what we need to look for is a show that centers around Friends that act as a family. And I did not realize I'd been talking for so long. So I'm going to go and take a break and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And Glee turned 10. Um, the show... Um, the show is so iconic um, that it's sometimes hard to believe that there was a time pre-Glee. Um, and the cast decided that they were going to celebrate with some memories. Um, Leah Michelle got us started. Um, and she, you know, she was asked a couple of things. She was asked what her favorite line of the series was. And she said, I'm like Tinkerbell Finn. I need applause to live. Um, she loved doing the, uh, the pilot. And when the Glee Club went to Central Park. And... Um, Chris Colfer, um, on his Facebook and on his Instagram, just said, I can't believe it's been 10 years, you know, basically just celebrating, um, the fact that he was part of something that has become, um, such a cultural touchstone. Um, but, you know, um... Um, Naya Rivera said, I can't believe it's, it's been 10 years. I'm supposed, so I've been so blessed to have been part 
of such an amazing show. I've made lifelong friends, grew up my craft, and made some of the most beautiful memories because of Glee. Being a part of something special makes you special, and Glee will always have a special place in my heart. Um, and Leah Michelle has been pitching for a reboot or a sequel um, to Glee, and she said she would gladly um, star in it. Now, I know y'all didn't come here for me to talk about the social media, so let's get into some of the backstage gossip. Um, the the biggest story that came from them was obviously um, Leah Michelle and Corey Monteith's love story, and I'm gonna get a bunch of hate mail when um, when people listen to this, but it was revealed by so many, 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 many gossip sites. That the the so-called romance between Leah and Corey was actually fake. They were not a couple. Um, and at times they could barely stand one another. Which is a common theme with... Um, it's a common theme when it comes to Leah Michelle, Who, by the way, I actually think is very talented. So it pains me to say um, these things about her. Um, but Ryan Murphy and producers thought that it was best if they, um, if, um, Corey and Leah faked being a couple in order to sell the show. And Leah really rode the wave of depression, or, of of seemingly fake depression after Corey died. Um, and it really seemed like she thought she was going to win an Emmy. But that was never going to happen because she, she is one of, if not the most hated actress working today. You know, and it's very interesting. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but um, with the exception of Chris Colfer, who decided um, to move away from acting for a little bit and focus on writing, um, most of the Gleek... Most of the Glee cast <clears throat> have worked with Ryan Murphy on one project or another. Um, but Leah hasn't been invited to. Um, outside of, he, she worked on Scream Queens with him. But she wanted, she wanted to be on American Horror Story or something more prestigious and he would not let that happen. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine and through my sources that the only reason why she got Scream Queens is because um, Fox really pushed hard for Leah because they were trying to make her the face of the network. And Scream Queens really just failed to ignite the ratings. And um, a lot of people say that they should have listened to her. Um, they should have listened to Ryan Murphy to begin with. Um, Mark Sailing, who played Puck, was arrested, charged, and found guilty of um, possessing and 
distributing child porn. He he died. Um, many say that he committed suicide. There are some who allege that he actually uh, was murdered. Um, that mostly comes from NT Lawyer over at Crazy Days and Nights. I refuse to discount that as a crazy conspiracy theory um, for one reason and one reason only. NT has been so right about um, a lot of these allegations that I think it would be foolish. I really think it would be foolish to um, discount that. I think it would be uh, wrong to pretend like there's not a chance that he's actually right on here. Um, Darren Chris, of course, went on to work with Ryan Murphy again in American Crime Story, um, the assassination of Gianni Versace, and went his first Emmy Award. Um, he also got married, but, um, and make of this what you will, despite him being married and despite um, him professing to be straight, blind gossip and crazy days and nights both say that that's not the case, that he is definitely gay, and both have alleged that they have proof. Um, he went to school at U of M. I've heard stories about, um, about him, and most of them do involve him and another guy hooking up. So when they say they have proof, I, I believe it. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm sorry. U of M is University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. Sometimes I forget that I have to explain that. Um, so, Naya Rivera hasn't had much luck at all acting. Um, people say that she was not that far off from Santana. Um, she's, she's a bitch. She's a bully. Um... The biggest difference between her and Leah is since Leah was the um, female lead of the show, uh, she's been able to put, book at least one or two other roles. Um, Naya hasn't really done anything. I Last I heard, she was going out for a talk show, but didn't quite uh, make the cut. And, you know, that really makes me sad because I actually loved Santana. I thought Santana was fantastic. Um, and we're just going to end with with this. Um, I told you earlier that Leah Michelle is really um, laboring and trying to get Ryan Murphy to do a sequel or um, a reboot of Glee. Um, Matthew Morrison, who played Mr. Shu, said that there's no way in hell he would ever do it, um, that it wouldn't be the same show, um, and that they can't do it without him. He's wrong about that. Um, they could very easily do the show without him. And in fact, I would argue that they should do the show without him, because he added nothing. Um... I don't think they could or should do this show without Jane Lynch. And she is busy hosting um, Game Night over on NBC now. And I, 
I honestly think um, the show just ended in 2015. I don't think that we need a reboot or a revival of Glee just yet. Um, you know, someone else suggested maybe a spinoff of one of the other um, choirs or glee clubs. Or just put Rachel back in New York and build a show around her. If you can get Leah Michelle's ego under control, it might be good. And you know what will be good? Me ending this before... I talked too long again. So I want to thank you all for listening so much. I hope you enjoyed the double episode of Drunk Gossip today. And until next time, cheers.